Welcome to Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained, the only international podcast that focuses solely on separation anxiety in all its multifaceted glory. So I'm Sarah McLaren, I'm in the UK and with me is... Hello, I'm Ness Jones, I am in Australia and I am from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded. And I am Stacey Bell, I am in the US with Focused Fun. Today, we are going to talk about changing, and change is hard, and there's a thing in psychology called the cycle of change or the stages of change, and I think it's also called something else, but I can't remember the name of it, right? Like two people, the two people who kind of discovered that I can't remember right now, and let's be honest, (laughs) even if I could, I probably couldn't pronounce their names correctly, so... (laughs) We will just stick with the uh, cycle of change or stages of change. And the reason why we thought that this might be good to talk about was that it applies so much to, to having a dog with separation anxiety and like maybe the different feelings or the different stages that you're going through as you're um, deciding how you're going to manage that. Um, so anyway, so, uh, the first stage is (laughs) pre-contemplation and as the name might suggest, it's kind of like, I'm going to call it the burying your head in the sand phase. (laughs) Like, you know, where deep down, you probably know that something's not right. Something needs to change, but it's a little bit of denial, resistance to, to taking any further steps. So that's the first stage. If you're in that stage, um, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of action going on to, to change the circumstances, not a lot of seeking for solutions or anything like that. So those people probably aren't listening to the podcast right now (laughs) but if you know of somebody in that stage um you know reaching a handout because in that stage a lot of people are having feelings of hopelessness right Mm -hmm. these are the ones Um, that would be saying they feel like prisoners in their own home perhaps exactly uh at a loss to know what to do and you know anxious stressed as you say they know there's a problem um they know there's a problem with their dog but they yeah they don't know that there are options out there you know like some people don't know that there's options for working through separation related behaviors and like I've had I've had people say that to me even like oh I didn't even know that this was something we could even address and Mm -hmm. and so you know, that, that could be totally part of the picture, but like, just as a, when I was looking at this and and looking at like how in this stage, the most common feeling is hopelessness. It was making me think of like, when my clients complete a package, I have them fill out like a feedback form. What are things that really helped you? 
what are things I could do better? How are you feeling in the beginning? How are you feeling now? Those types of questions. Almost every single person that fills out that form says that before they started training with me, they, they were feeling hopeless. Mm. And that's such a, a hard emotion to grapple with. And so, um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's so hard because at that, at that point, people aren't necessarily always ready to um, take action, but this uh, pre-contemplation stage leads to the next stage, which is contemplation stage. Hang on, before we go on to the next bit, oh, <laughs> I was just in the pre-contemplation bit as well. This is, these are the people who have just got the letter from the neighbors saying that the dog's barking, aren't they? These are the ones that, that are coming home to destroyed furniture, but just thinking the dog's been naughty or dogs that are toileting in the house, but they think that it's a house training issue. So if you are on Facebook or listen to us and you know you've got a dog with separation anxiety and you've got a friend somewhere out there in Facebook land that's just popped up and said, oh my goodness, I've just had a letter from the neighbours complaining about my dog barking. What am I going to do? I need to stop him barking. Then you might want to point them this way, mm-hmm. gently. Mm-hmm. Gently, because yes. they're not quite at that stage yet, but we might be able to help in some way, shape or form. So now back to contemplation, Stacey. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Contemplation stage is when, you know, people realize, okay, this is a problem and I want to do something to change it. But, but so the awareness is there and, and maybe an openness to, to having the change, but there's still that um, maybe feeling of overwhelm at thinking of working through the problem or the work, you know, kind of like not sure if they want to put the work in. And so it's kind of like working through the emotions and the obstacles and all of that during this contemplation stage. Um, This is a really difficult stage as well, isn't it? For the, for prospective clients, because this is the point when they start looking on the internet or they start asking friends and relatives and things. And this is where they start getting, Piles and piles yeah loads of all weird and wonderful stuff we're going to get now this is a really rubbish place to be in when you're trying to find the right place to go isn't it and there can be so many mixed emotions there can be like the anticipation of of coming to some kind of resolution but there can also be a lot of anxiety about maybe some conflicting information they're finding out there or like I said, just putting the work in, like, how am I going to fit this into my life? Um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so that can be, that can be hard, but, and leads kind of, I, these stages kind of overlap for me because the, the next stage is the preparation stage. And that's a lot of the, um, information seeking and information gathering stage. Um, yeah, so that would be the, Go. No, go ahead. No, you go. (laughs) So this is where, um, like they, they still might not have resolved totally, um, their conflict on whether they want to, um, tackle the change that needs to happen. Like, so in this case, tackle working on the separation anxiety. So there's like a little bit of that left. Um, but this is where I think 
a lot of people maybe connect with, start trying to put feelers out at least to connect with um, a trainer or a professional in the field? Oh, they get on YouTube uh, and like somebody mm. that reached out to me the other day was said there's so much conflicting advice out there and a lot of it involves putting the dog in a crate and walking out the yes. door and mm. letting them bark it out or putting a collar, non-bark collar on it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I guess in that sense, are they changing as well? Hypothetical question. Uh, or is that a philosoph philosophical question? I don't know. So if they decided to tuck it, tuck it in a crate with the bark collar on, are they making a change then as well? They are making a change. I think they are making a change, but probably not one that will. It's management, to isn't it? It's resolution. Not no no exactly yeah. the problem the problem is as well is that you don't know what you don't know do you so when initially no. you're looking for information if you get somebody who is has enough conviction behind them to make you feel that they really know what they're doing mm. even though it might be the precise opposite to what you know we would do that you know a lot of people are going to try that aren't they and then it's it's, yeah. it's even worse because they've tried something it all goes horribly yeah. wrong and then they've got to start all over again well, how many yeah. how many have you, uh, dog trainers, so called um, dog trainers, that have put themselves out there as being able to resolve separation anxiety when oh, they've got the no no education around it at all, and they're using all this outdated advice, and they are the ones that are like, no, this is what you do, you just let it bark it out, you know, this is how we do it, pick up your shoes and put them down ten million times, and yeah. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, they're quite adamant that they've got it right. So you're right. Like, how do you, how do you overcome that, um, that, that person's forthrightness, if you like, mm -hmm. that they're the expert? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, being in, and this is like a totally different rabbit hole, <laughs> um, being an educated consumer in the dog training world is super important and really difficult at the same time. You know, it's just, um, it's just hard because it's not <clears throat> an industry with a lot of um, licensing or oversight or, you know, anything like that. So anybody can really say that they're a dog trainer and saying that they're an expert. So, ah, <laughs> ah indeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But we did make a podcast on how to, I think, how yes. to find an SA pro. We did. <clears throat> Somebody had to tell, you know, I mean, obviously working with one of us would be fabulous, but um, <laughs> we have a podcast that, that kind of talks about some of the things what to look, look for, for and some things that mm. might be a red flag. Mm. So that would definitely like if you're looking for a trainer and for some reason that I cannot fathom, you don't want to work with one of us um, do listen to that podcast to get some tips on what to look for in a trainer um, to help you work through separation anxiety and guess what you don't have to be in the same city as us we can do help you or even same country at, no I mean. exactly yeah Wherever you are in the world, we work remotely because with SA dogs, you don't want us there in your house anyway. Right. Okay. All right. So after the preparation stage, um, that's like I kind of think of the information gathering stage. After the preparation stage is the action phase. 
And this is where, you know, kind of the rubber meets the road. Um, people are making changes to modify the, their behavior or their dog's behavior. Um, they've probably reached out to a trainer, hopefully, and um, have started to make, um, and so the change at this point is more visible to others. So what would that look like in separation anxiety? That would look like looking, you know, reaching out to a trainer. It would look like um, managing absences and, and doing um, the specific training plans and, and that sort of thing for separation anxiety. Probably purchasing a program through an SA Pro is definitely a very solid first step. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of the feelings that people are feeling in this, I mean, like <clears throat> I think a lot of people are excited to be doing something to um, take oh, yes. steps towards resolution, right? I think, um, and they might also feel a little overwhelmed, um, especially if they're not working with a trainer. Like I think that if somebody is like maybe reading a book or looking at an online program or something like that, they might be looking at all the information and feeling overwhelmed. I think one thing that we as trainers can help you with is like, what do you need to know right now to get started? You know, what are the, yeah. the steps that we're taking right now? And we might add to that. Um, but, but let's kind of streamline the process and try to um, make some progress with um what you need to do right now before we start adding other other layers. Um, I had a lady reach out to me a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a chat uh, actually via email and she booked in for a program, but she was going on holidays for a couple of weeks. So we're actually doing our assessment on Thursday oh, in a couple of days, tomorrow. Um, it's Wednesday here in Australia, just so everybody mm. doesn't get confused. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, the last email she sent me before she went away was, I feel so much better just knowing I've got something to do, a program to start, you know, a, a steps forward, you know, that I just, just that having an action plan, she was relieved already. She hasn't <laughs> even had her assessment, but it was, yeah. it just shows you that, that feeling of hopelessness and guilt and anxiousness, you know, the impact it has. And then just having a yes. plan has already helped her. There's nothing quite like making a decision and 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 putting action into place to take all those feelings away, and suddenly you're in a place where you're feeling much more proactive, and much more stable, and and it just it just changes everything about it, doesn't it? Like you say, even before you've actually physically done anything, the fact that you know that you're starting, it's a bit like when you start a fitness regime, isn't it? Or Mm -hmm. um a diet or uh, learning something new you know the fact that you've taken that action and you've booked it and you're all ready to go just changes everything your perception changes completely well and I think one of the the things about you know being in a in a hopeless state is is you feel like you don't have control over anything mm -hmm. and then but once you you kind of have come to terms with what the way forward is going to look like and having that plan that that does make you feel hopeless and it does give you a sense of control and those are things that we like as humans you know mm. so it, it puts you in such a better mental state um and so I think that's 
really good. Before you go on, <laughs> funny story, I had an assessment uh, on Monday with um, a beagle cross spaniel called Benny, Ooh. about eight months old. Um, and we were doing the assessment and obviously we were doing it via Zoom and the owner put me on the floor, so to speak, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that um, I could see what was going on, you know, as he was going out his gate. Um, but this dog is the first dog I've ever had in a client session that's noticed me <laughs> in the video. <laughs> and he was, he was like going, looking me dead in the eye, Benny. <laughs> And like pouring at the screen and woof, woof. That was so funny. Uh, he was a little bit That's of a live really wire. Yeah. 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 That's really cute. Um, <laughs> okay. So maintenance phase is, um, can be a really difficult stage. Like if you're thinking about like what you're saying, Sarah, with like dieting or a fitness regime or something like that, it's like how so many people at the new year might start those things. Oh, yeah. for for the first week <laughs> and then like but sticking with it is yeah. the really tough part and the same can be said with separation anxiety training or helping your dog feel comfortable with being home alone the training is not exciting mm -hmm. right and so it can be difficult to um you know have that accountability in place um to stick with it, especially when things are busy um, or, you know, if, if one of you gets sick or, you know, fill in the blank, life is happening. And so it can be really, really hard to uh, stick with the plan. But as we talked about on the last podcast episode, um, it is a long call. Mm -hmm. so, so what are some things that y'all talk to your clients about as far as sticking with it um, during this maintenance phase, are you laughing at me? I for say, I say, you all need to stick with it. <laughs> Y'all, <Okay. laughs> I'll take it. No, no, don't ever stop doing it. It's wonderful. I love it. Y'all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Y'all make us laugh. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry, um, what was the question? <laughs> um, encouraging people to stick with it. What are um, some strategies? Well, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because you don't want to be nagging because these people are all adults. These are not children that you're trying to get to do something that they don't want to do. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to gently help people along and support them in their efforts because you know how difficult it is and you know that some days for them it, they just they don't want to do it so we've got um I mean I make graphics and we also do little things like well I do and I know that Stacey does I don't know if you do it yet Ness uh, little certificates for weird and wonderful things um mm. that, that just help to kind of like jolly people along particularly when they've had a, a bad day or they're worried because something's happened during the training so one of my certificates is a doorbell certificate which is for surviving somebody coming and knocking you know ringing the doorbell in the middle of your training and <laughs> you're carrying on so you know because stuff like that can really you know if you've had a, if you're having a really great session and it's been boiling along quite nicely and then suddenly halfway through a session some amazon delivery comes along and just destroys the whole thing 
for the owners it can be heartbreaking yes it's like you yes. know they were getting up to a you know a minute or something they're getting all excited about that and then all of a sudden it's only 10 seconds because amazon comes and does the amazon mm-hmm. rap on the door which is of course the loudest knock on the planet uh and they just ruin it all yeah i do um certificates of bravery so once they get up to a certain point in time yeah get that up. bravery for the owners or the dogs the dog <laughs> i put a little photo of the dog on the certificate yeah um yeah um i think a big one is by the nature of working with a trainer through that it does Mm -hmm. add a level of accountability even if we're not nagging them right so i think the awards are a really fun way to um build engagement um to help people recognize the wins that aren't related to duration. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that, and that's exactly why I do them because it's so easy to get only hung up on duration and, and forget about how a really loud lawnmower passed. And like one of my clients, dog used to be really afraid of lawnmowers, but passed during a session and, and she was able to stay settled. So like, that's like a huge win that we need to help our clients recognize and, and celebrate really. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had clients finish with me and basically sort of said, you know, thank you for keeping me on track and making, you know, mm -hmm. like just having you there has helped, Mm -hmm. um, helps me continue otherwise Mm -hmm. maybe I wouldn't have so yeah yeah and I and I do do some light nagging and sometimes (laughs) it's like that that I'm not expecting them to take a day off that day and so like their normal pattern like everybody each client kind of has their own pattern of like when they train and you know how they interact with you and all of those things and if that's disrupted I'm always like kind of like Hmm. So I'll reach out and be like, hey, everything okay? I noticed that you didn't train today. And they, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I wasn't feeling well. I'm like, no worries. Take care of yourself. You know, let me know how you're feeling tomorrow. Um, and, and so just kind of keeping in touch with people, I think, more than nagging. I mean, you could call it nagging. <laughs> the other thing as well is, I mean, you know, they, they've, they've paid to work with you. They've paid to, you know, for, for, your, for your help and for your support. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's important that the, that there is a, an element of keeping in touch because like you say, you don't know what's going on. And we always assume that it's something to do with us or, you know, that that's maybe we've done something <laughs> wrong with an exercise or something. And it's always something that's going on in their lives at that particular time. That's just meant they forgot to clear an exercise or they forgot to tell you that they were having a day or the dogs were at daycare. I mean, the amount of people I've had where they've forgotten to tell me that, all the dogs at daycare today and it's like okay yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. what do we have to do then you know I mean that happens so often oh they're going yeah. on holiday that's another one mm-hmm. that is another one but I mean we are providing them with daily more or less um training plans so I mean mm-hmm. there's it's not like I mean I guess with in-person consultations you know for other behavioral issues you might see them once a week then they have a week's worth of them doing the homework but if you, you're not in contact with them daily, 
or on a relatively mm-hmm. daily basis. So there's certainly the opportunity for them to do nothing all week and then they see you oh, yeah. a week later and nothing's been done and it's quite obvious. Mm-hmm. So there's not really accountability in that kind of situation, only mm-hmm. in the sense that they see you in a week or two weeks and they're like, oh, I haven't had a chance to do anything. <laughs> but with us, you know, if they want to move forward and we're saying, here's your daily training plan, it's kind yeah. of more... There's more communication for starters. So mm-hmm. that maintenance is easier for them. Yeah, I think so. It's so easy, isn't it, for to miss a day and then miss another day. And then before you know it, you've missed three, then four, then you've missed a week and, and everything goes out the window. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we definitely help with that one. So after the maintenance phase is, you kind of have two choices in this cycle. Ooh, two. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean... Okay, so graduation is one of them. So you've met your goals, right? Um, And that's always, that's always like, yay, of course, but also a little bittersweet because, you know, you've worked with this person for so, so long, you know, this, this team, um, your your client and their dog. And um, then you just don't talk to them. You don't talk to them anymore. And it's like, wow, I'm used to like at least texting with you every day. Um, So, um, but that's like, but more likely what we see is she calls it relapse or Mm -hmm. like the people who made up this, the two people whose names I don't remember, call it like relapse or um sometimes we might call it like a blip or a full up regression, depending on the time period. Um, and we know that with all kinds of learning, which is certainly a part of changing, that there is variability. It's not a linear thing. So I, um, I try to prepare my clients for that, um, to let them know that that's a normal part of the whole process. Um, I show them graphs of other people (laughs) and their dogs so they can see what real life training looks like but you know when it happens to you it always feels really disappointing and I think for that's another part place in the cycle where working with a professional can make such a huge difference is just somebody to help kind of reassure you that it's normal let you know what you're feeling is also normal and then help guide you with what the next steps are for you and your dog, right? Um, So I think that's another kind of critical point. Yeah, I think there's almost a a kind of mourning, isn't there, when you finish something. So when you finished a really long course or, or like the separation anxiety stuff, because we have spent an awful lot of time with people and we've been through an awful lot of ups and downs with them as well. We've supported them quite a lot and been through a lot of emotional turmoil with them. And like you say, when we get to the end of that, not just for them, but for us too, there's a certain amount of mourning that goes on, I think. And again, that's, that's perfectly normal and to be expected and to expect them to maybe not quite hit so many targets as they do when they're with us, because normal life gets in the way and we, we do that up and down and here and there. And it's um, it's pretty normal. I mean that you know the, the steps thing that I did over the summer where I did the million steps for charity. I'm not mm. doing quite so many steps these days. 
we're still doing but it's not as you know it's not as many every day but it's um and it is much more difficult and there was almost a period of morning after that once i'd finished and i was like oh well now what eat cake Mm, eat cake (laughs) speaking of eating cake i made some brownies the other day oh i've not made brownies before (laughs) oh really I should have taken a picture. Um, I think the, the tin that I made, the, the tin that I put them in, the batter in when I'd finished, was too big. So when they came out, they'd spread. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it was it was very crispy around the edges. It tasted nice, but not quite the right consistency, I think. Did you, uh, did you make them from scratch or did you use a packet mix? Oh, I made them from scratch. I don't know anything out of a packet. <laughs> oh, good on. <laughs> oh, girl. No, 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 no. But yeah, it was it was completely from scratch, and the first time I've ever done it, and I was like, I made such a mess, and it was all <laughs> over the place, and wrong size tin, and and the whole thing was just so. Anyway, I'll try again another day with a smaller huh. tin or with more mixture, one mm. or the other. Probably more yeah. mixture. You can never have too many brownies. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. My family is a big, big fan of brownies. <laughs> and do you make them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I make brownies a lot. Yeah. Oh. So. Maybe I should have asked you how to make them first. I'll send you my address. I'll expect something in the post and just right before Christmas. Mm. Either of you. If it got there, it would. I would think it would be stale though. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. They keep quite well, don't they? Yeah, I thought so. And on that note, while while we're here this week, we should um, we have to wish Stacey a happy Thanksgiving because that's this week for you guys, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Thursday. I'm excited because my um, kiddos are coming home from college, so um, I'll be able to hang out with them for some days before they go back. Nice. Are you so you're doing a big banquet feasty sort of thingy? Yes. Yes, I am. Lots of yeah. work ahead. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin will help me cook, though. So it'll be okay. Sounds good. So, and her fiance. Oh. He likes to cook. So he, he'll come over and help. So nice. I don't mind cooking if I have people to cook with. I don't love like cooking by myself, <laughs> which is weird because I don't mind being by myself. But cooking for me is like better socially. What's next on your list or is that, is that the full circle? That's the full circle. So after oh. like if a relapse happens, some people will go back into like the pre-contemplation stage. All right. Um, All the way back and Some people can skip. Like I think the reason why I think working with a professional can really help is that we'll just take them right back to the action phase right and be like Mm -hmm. okay this these are the steps that we need to take but some people like think about people that are dieting and they kind of fall off the wagon and then they kind of do I really need to diet maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just accept my body the way it is you know like that whole um and they might stay there for like a really long time before trying again right so Mm -hmm with um with these with our clients or um that we're working through helping their dogs feel better about being home alone we can just kind of like help the the process or the cycle be a bit more seamless 
and just be like, okay, right. We're just now what we're going to do is reduce duration and we're going to try this and then we're going to do this. And we've got the plan already for them. So they don't need to contemplate or prepare or mm-hmm. any of that because we, we're going to tell them what they need to do next. So you don't get all that downtime. I think we should link to the study in the show notes, don't you? What's that? Oh, the um, The, the information about the cycle. The cycle. cycle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You can remember the name. And then we can (laughs) say who who wrote it or who created it. (laughs) The actual people. Uh Since we're using it, we probably should. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be really nice. I'm sure they'd they'd like that. Um, I think the other thing as well that... uh, I don't think we mentioned much is that when people have worked with us, when they finish working with us, I don't think it's as, as direct a cutoff as it is with some other types of training. I think we're more likely to do more follow-ups than some, some others, not everybody. I mean, a lot of people do follow-ups, but I don't know about you guys, but I do like a follow-up in a month, in three months, six months and a year to see where they are. And then if they have got to that phase where they've gone into sort of regression or they're, they're getting a bit stuck and they're not sure what to do, the likelihood is that you're going to catch them before it goes too far south and you can help them back onto the road again. Even if you, you might not need to do another package with them, you might find another way of doing it that's you know less time consuming for both of you, but just give them a little bit of handholding that they need for a little bit extra time. And that's another thing mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really... Um, useful with working with a professional rather than trying to do it on your own exactly I actually have go ahead especially the way that we work because we are remote and we can work that way and we can do 10 minutes here there and everywhere rather than Mm -hmm. it have to be an hour because you've got to travel for 45 minutes to get there Mm. yeah yeah I have a client that I had been working with um and she was finishing up on her own and um her, she and her vet switched up the medications that the dogs were, that the dog was on and, um, kind of has really affected training, um, that transition from one medication to another. Often we see that, but, um, that's what she's going through right now. So we have a catch-up call, you know, a 30 minute call just to help her come up with a plan of action on how to tackle this kind of time of transition. So, you know, like, like Sarah's saying, not a whole package, you know, mm-hmm. she can, she can come up with the exercises and she's working through that really well. Um, but she just kind of needed a little bit more guidance on, whoa, you know, this is not going as I expected it to. Can you help me just make a plan for yeah. how we can make this transition a little bit better? Yeah. And because we know them and we know the dog, we, we can do that. Mm-hmm. We can make, make exactly. much more uh, user-friendly for them and more, um, what's the word? Tailored. That's the word I'm tailored. thinking of. Ta- more tailored, yeah, for, for what they need. Also, I'm really nosy, so I like to know how my clients are going, you know, a couple of months after they're finished with me, are they still making progress? So, yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, you do get some that are sort of like, oh, well, I haven't trained for two months because mm-hmm. I guess there's no one there, make, you know, keeping them on track. Um, yeah. But then you get the ones that say, yay, my dog's doing amazing. It's always good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that like, you know, obviously pet parents are invested in their dogs, but we are also invested in them. I mean, if you think about the amount of time that we spend engaging with, with them as they move through this process, it's Mm. hard not to, right? So um, yeah, I love hearing updates from my clients. Yeah. And I mean, we get to know their dogs really well. It's hard not to be invested. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get to know their little quirks and mannerisms and um yeah you get connected with them don't you so yeah yeah Yeah. you want to you want to see them succeed very much so and it's always great when you get an update to say that someone spent three hours in ikea oh yeah yeah totally isn't that what they all aspire to (laughs) (laughs) something like that in australia yeah doesn't do much for me. I hate getting lost in there. I've been in there twice, I think, in the last 20 years. And, yeah, I, don't, I just feel I get – it gives me a sense of claustrophobia, to be honest. <laughs> That's it really does. To get round it because it's just like, where? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah, it's just not my taste. But, yeah, I, uh, I don't yeah, – I probably won't ever go back there again, to be honest with you. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I just um, – Not really. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like getting stuck in there. I'm just like, oh, it's miles to get out. <laughs> you can't just nip in and nip out, which is how I like no. to do my shopping. It's an ex. I mean, whoever thought of that layout was was you know, some kind of genius, you know, because you can't get out of there without going past <laughs> eight, million, eight million small candles or tiny plants or <laughs> something else that you suddenly realise that you desperately need. An evil genius. <laughs> uh, evil genius indeed. Well, very good. Does anybody was, have um, any bad? No, yeah, no, I, it's an interesting discussion. I, I, it's good to be able to know what phase you're in because hopefully if you can identify that you're on in one of those phases, then you can, it'll help you take the next step to the next, to the next phase. Mm. Yeah, and just to know that like what you're feeling is normal. Normal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I think sometimes we, <clears throat> we try to fight our emotions so much right instead of like kind of embracing them and say okay I'm feeling this let me embrace it and then let me like get curious about it like why am I feeling this way oh it's because of this can I do something to change that Hmm. yeah you know is there somebody out there who can walk alongside me and, and help guide me through the process heck yeah when it comes to separation anxiety so you know, those are the things that, you know, I think really help. And it's to know you're not alone. It's to know you're not alone, isn't it? You're not the only person who's feeling that way, that there's lots of people who are feeling that way in lots of different circumstances. And, you know, you don't meet people who've got separation anxiety dogs who are all excited about, you know, everybody's feeling the same. Everybody's feeling trapped or, you know, stuck at home or or even resentful of the dog because they can't go anywhere and it's because of this little bundle of fluff that they were desperate for years to get and then they get it and it's like oh what now (laughs) yeah they didn't (laughs) sign up for that nobody does it's like damn (laughs) the picture i had in my head yeah and then they feel guilty for feeling that way and then they've got all these people telling them to do all this stuff i mean it's just pants isn't it what a place to be um yeah so i hope the discussion helps somebody um out there who's feeling some kind of emotion um 
take some action. Any kind. <laughs> any kind of emotions. If you're feeling emotions, <laughs> we can help. All right. I am Stacy Bell from Focused Fun in the U.S. Uh, you can find me at Focused Fun Dogs on Instagram and Facebook and uh, FocusedFun.net on is my website. and you've been listening to me sarah mclaren from the uk from separation anxiety solutions and just like stacy you can find me on instagram or on my website or on facebook uh, of the same name and i'm miss jones i am in australia and i am from separation anxiety in dogs decoded uh yeah thank you for listening to tales from the dog house separation anxiety explained uh, you have been listening to us talk about stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really important stuff. <laughs> uh, reach out to one of us today. Let's get you from, if you're listening to this, you're in the what stage, Stacey? Um, contemplative? Like ready for active. Action. Yeah. You're ready we, for action. Yeah, we want to take you to the action stage and yeah. then the maintenance and then graduation um yes yeah, so reach out to one of us today because we can help you with that um you can find us on apple google stitcher spotify and amazon and audible yeah. and other awesome listening apps uh yeah so we shall be back next week for another exciting episode bye Thank you.